You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Crippled Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in Dark Pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised.
Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. My name is Andrew Gerza, and I am your disabled Dick Smith, and this is Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled with me, and let's get started. I'm trying a few things out with the titles here. I'm trying to change up the title because we are expanding to a program that looks at sex and disability and disability and sexuality. It's kind of becoming its its own little thing where we're branching out of just talking about specifically disability and sexuality and we're looking at disability and disability and sexuality. It's so hard to like talk about it because it's looking at disability separately and sexuality separately, but then bringing in disability at some point. It's a, it's a really weird way of describing it, but basically I want this to be a disability everything podcast. That's really what it's becoming, a disability everything podcast with obviously sex still the forefront, but that's kind of what we're doing. So what I'm saying is, after all that rambling, what I'm saying is I'm looking at new kind of titles for the podcast. When you listen to the opening, it says the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I want to find something that encompasses more of the disability-centric space. So I'm thinking the podcast that shines a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between, or something similar. So if you have an idea for that, you can email it to me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Email me your ideas for a title, and I'll mull it about and try some things for the next few weeks as I figure out how to expand the show. And I'm so excited about this possible expansion because it means we get to have more conversations about disability in different ways. And I'm just really excited about that because I wanted to talk about this stuff a lot of times about different stuff around disability. But I was like, oh, no, it has to be only about sex. And now I get to expand. And I'm so excited to do that. So I want to include you in that process. Let me know some possible taglines. First things first, I want to give a giant shout out to one of our new Patreons who pledged $3 a month to the Patreon for this awesome program. And it means the world to me when people support the show, when people listen to the show, and when people get something from the show so much that they're able they're able to put some of their money down to help the show keep going. It means the absolute world. And every time I get a little notification that somebody pledged, I am so happy because it means that they value the show and it has done something for them. So And it, it helps to build community. So I'm so, so excited about that. And I want to give a shout-out to our new $3 patron, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I love vintage things. And so when I saw the name Elizabeth, I thought of the queen. So you are a queen, for giving me three dollars every month to keep the show going thank you so much queen <laughs> queen elizabeth if you want to pledge one dollar a month or more to the program you can head over to patreon.com disability after dark and for doing that you get the show one day early and a sexy cool awkward shout out for me for doing so on the air much like this so um, it would mean a lot if you could. And I understand that so many of you financially are not able to, so I understand that too. 
But for those who can, thanks a lot. There is, There are no real rewards at this point because I don't want to put things behind a paywall. I've said that before. It's not something I'm really comfortable doing. I want to make this as accessible as possible to you. But I would love more donations so that I can actually start getting... Um, start getting some some transcriptions of the show done. And speaking of that, if anybody listening does transcriptions and wants to help me with doing that for 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 some kind of rate, I'd love to talk to you about that because I would I would love transcriptions for the show. Deaf people have said I want to be a part of your program, I want to be involved, I want to I want to engage with this material, but it's not accessible. And I'm fully aware of how inaccessible that can be to the deaf community, and I want to do that. So if anybody wants to talk to me about doing some transcriptions for me, please be in touch. The, the same email, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. But now, let's get to the show. Just before the show, I also want to do a, a little quick reminder that we have a Disability After Dark Facebook page, and I haven't really done a lot with it other than like promote when the show is, you know, when the show comes out, I'll put a little post about it up there. But I want to make that Facebook page a place where we can talk about disability and all the things we don't really talk about because I just like the idea that Disability After Dark means we talk about stuff and we can talk about our disabled secrets and we can talk about our disabled experiences in that forum. So if you go on Facebook and you go to facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark, we're there. Uh, there are 500 of you who have, who have, who follow that page, which is great and amazing. But I want to open that page up to uh, for us to tell our disabled stories. So head over there, like the page, tell me a disabled secret, tell me a story, do the things. Let's build Let's build a community there where we can talk about disability. Because again, this is now becoming a disability everything space. So I want to make the social media platforms like the Facebook and the Disaft Dark Twitter, a place where we can also have fully fully formed disability discussions about everything outside of sex and, of course, still about sex and disability because that's still important. But now, now for real, on with the show. On the show today, I sit down with somebody who I fell in love with the minute we hit record Actually, I, f I fell in love with her before I hit, be like, way before on Twitter when we started kind of getting to know each other and following each other via our disability activism. I just fell in love with her. She makes me, this episode just is great. I cannot wait to tell you all about her. So let me do that right now. My guest today is disability activist Hannah Sawyer, and we talk about her experiences living with spinal muscular atrophy, her experiences accessing the the educational system as an instructor in Kansas. We talk about her experiences accessing intimacy as somebody with a complex disability and how she can't always be a sexy, coy, disabled person and how she can't touch someone's face and some of the workarounds for that. We talk about um, the surgeries we've had as disabled people. We talk about so many things. This interview was one of my favorites. We also, oh, I forgot, she started an amazing campaign called 
this body is worthy, which looks at taking people whose bodies are outside of the mainstream ideal and allowing them to express themselves and through photography, and it's kind of taken off in the disability community a little bit. Um, she was on a panel this year at South by Southwest with other disabled powerhouses talking about body positivity and her campaign. I just freaking, I freaking, freaking love her so much, and I hope you will too. This is a great interview and one that I'm really proud to have done. Uh, she's just great, and this interview is just fantastic, and it's something that I hope will make your gimpy ear, ear your gimpy ear holes feel great. Um, and I just can't wait to share it with you. So, without further ado, and no more and no more rambling, here is my interview with Hannah Sawyer right now on Disability After Dark. Hannah Sawyer, hello. Hello, hi Andrew. Hi, I'm so excited to have you kind of back on the show. We recorded an episode for when I was a disabled kid like forever ago and then my computer crashed and it died and I lost it and so we're finally uh, sitting down again. Yes, I'm so, so, so honored to be able to be on this podcast. I remember when I first discovered disability after dark when I was an undergrad and I was blown away by it and I loved it and I loved all the discussions that you were having and so it's very cool to be able to be on it now as a guest. Oh my goodness I am honored that you were here so we could spend an hour <laughs> honoring each other about how great it is that we're both Yes! Because I mean we're both kind of like we're both kind of disability famous so like that's kind of cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I really don't think I'm disability famous, but I'm honored that you think so. I mean, I see you on the tweets and the Twitter all the time on, like, disability Twitter yeah. doing stuff, and I, I, I see your little, I mean, I don't understand, listen, everybody, go on Twitter and follow Hannah right now, because I got a bunch of followers, and go over there and follow her stuff, because it's important shit. We're going to get to all that, yeah. though. Um, but hello. Hello. Introduce yourself, please. Yes, uh, my name is Hannah Sawyer. I am a writer and journalist, more of a creative writer. Um, I <clears throat> graduated from the University of Iowa with bachelor's in journalism and English, and I'm now working on my MFA in creative writing um, at the University of Kansas, where I also teach English 101 and 102. And, um, yeah, I'm very interested in um, representations and perceptions of what we c might consider other. So disability falls right into that. Right smack um, dab in the middle of that. Yeah, I'm very interested in um, the body and perceptions um, and representations of the body and the other body and... Yeah. Amazing. Um, I thought I think it's really cool that you did your undergrad in Iowa because I did a talk there a few falls ago and I was like, oh, I was a very, it's a very interesting part of America. <laughs> it's a part of America that I was, and I was only there for a day and a half, so I can't, <laughs> I can't speak too widely of it, but from what I saw... As a disabled person, I was like, cool, there's churches and there's football. What else is there to do in Iowa? Yeah, that's very accurate. Where were you in Iowa? We, I, was, I went to go speak to the 
University of Northern Iowa feminist group. So I was like in nowhere town. Yeah, no, you definitely were in nowhere town. Iowa City, which is where I did my undergrad, um, which, you know, great name, Iowa City. I mean, so original. Um, I know. But that, that city is sort of like the most liberal, no, the most aggressively liberal place I've ever, well, no, that's not true. The most aggressively liberal place in the Midwest that I have been to. Wow. Um, yeah. So I love Iowa City. It's, it doesn't necessarily feel like Iowa, but Iowa does have a soft spot in my heart because that's where I'm from, where I grew up. So, yeah. Oh, you're a corn-fed country girl, then. I am... Sure. I'm a <laughs> corn-fed country girl. She's like, no, I'm not at all. And you're... I'm really not, but okay. Because well, everyone that I know from Iowa was like, yeah, we eat a lot of corn there. And when I was there, that's all I saw driving to and from the airport was like, yep. cornfields, church, and like football stadiums. I was like, okay, all right, this is it. Yep, that's, that's accurate. It's a very accurate assessment. Um... But tell me and us a little bit about your disability and what that is and how, if you don't mind, and how that impacts your, just your day-to-day. Sure. So um, I have spinal muscular atrophy. It's a form of muscular dystrophy. Um, So I use a power wheelchair and then I rely on personal care attendants pretty much 24-7. Me too. What, what, hey. It's, it's a great life, isn't it? Right? It's the best. It's the best is life. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was thinking about that question when you sent it over to me and how it impacts my day-to-day life. And I was like, you know, it really, like, there there isn't a thing that I do on the day-to-day that it does not affect. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean... Obviously, you know, what I can do physically is different than, say, uh, I don't know even what normal means, but a stereotypically normal, quote-unquote normal, able-bodied person. A non-wheelchair-using person? Right, 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 right. Um, And so, you know, then that means, like, transportation is affected, where I can go in the city that I live in is affected. Um, how I, I mean, you know, when I'm, when I'm during the school year, um, how I go to class is affected. How I teach is affected. You know, I mean, there, there really isn't something that it doesn't yeah, impact. It's your, oh, I get it. I'm, I'm there right there with you. It's, yeah. it is. That's why when people say stuff like, Oh, your disability is just a part of you. It's like, no, no, it is the whole part. Like, it's all right. It's the whole part. It's all of it. Um, I'm really interested to understand also you teach, which is amazing. And is, you know, Thank the, you. I don't want to make it to be like, oh, my goodness, you're a wheelchair using person that teaches. But it is kind of awesome because we don't see that a lot. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that also. Last night I saw on Twitter there's this like uh, Twitter trend going around, I guess, that's like social experiment. Comment, when was the first time you had, you know, fill in the blank, marginalized identity teacher? Yeah. And 
I was thinking about that last night. Um, first of all, like what you said about Iowa is very true. Um, I specifically my hometown. Um, I grew up in a not very diverse town or location at all. Um, and so when I came across that Twitter trend, I realized, first of all, how um, homogenous, I guess, my, my teachers that I had from K through 12 were. Um, and then I was thinking, oh my gosh, like the, just the, the, the disabled teachers, right? Like, we never see those. And I no. don't know if you're familiar with, I mean, I'm sure you are, Stella Young. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. And her TED Talk, where she's talking about, you know, she's not an inspiration. Thank you very much. Um, and she has this great quote where she, because she was a teacher, and she's um, talking, or I don't, was she a teacher? Am I completely wrong I on that? I think so. I know her as, like, disability canon, but I also don't know enough to know that answer. So anyone who knows right. that, email me and let me know. <laughs> Yeah, well, she she was either a teacher, which I think she was, or she, um, no, yes, she was a teacher. And I would like to recant all of that question. Yes, all those questions. I'm pretty sure she was a teacher. And she has this story where she was teaching, like, on the first or second day of classes. And a student in her class raised his hand and was like, ma'am, when are you going to give your inspirational speech? that you oh, no. came here to give. And she was like, what? Like, no, I'm your teacher. I'm oh, no. And so I, that's a, a little, you know, eight-minute TED Talk that I show my students every semester that I've taught. But, yeah, it's it's fascinating that even not only, you know, do non-disabled students not see disabled teachers very much, but myself as a disabled teacher – you know, I, I've really never seen a fellow disabled teacher, you know, like I, I know a few, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a few. Travis Lau was on the show a couple of weeks ago and he's a professor. And I remember even when I talked to him, I was like, that's so rare that we talk to <laughs> disabled faculty. So it's kind of awesome that you're also like, and also just visually to see for myself as a wheelchair user, to see another wheelchair using like powerful person roll in a room and be like okay I'm gonna I'm teaching you now like oh yeah it, it's really important because it shows people like you do have a breadth of knowledge you're not all the words that are inappropriate to say like the R word and all those things that people think we are yeah. you have you know we were educated sometimes over educated because what else can we do sometimes sometimes all we can do is be educated so like yeah <laughs> so like I just think it's really important that you do that. What is what was the reception when you like rolled in to do to start teaching? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I teach primarily freshmen, so the first day of classes they always, you know, look a little like unsure. But I don't I think that's generally just freshman like yeah, you know related to the whole college experience and not necessarily to me being their instructor also it's it's, it's important to note that you're like 
from our last conversation, what are, from what I remember, you're like 23, right? 24, yes. Oh, you're so I'm yeah. Definitely 23 when we last talked. You're st- like that's pretty awesome to be 24 to be a wheelchair user and to be a professor. Like, I was. Okay, but I'm not a professor. Like, I want to make that very. I I I am hoping to become a professor. Right now, I'm just an instructor. So like. I don't have my doctorate. I'm not tenured or anything, you know. In my head, you're a professor. So, yes. <laughs> yes. And I have a feeling you will become one. Um, so do you have any other, like, thoughts on being an instructor in, a disabled instructor in, in a college platform? Like, what are, what are some of the things you have to navigate doing that? Um, I mean, I think a big one is just, like, physical accessibility, Yeah. you know? So, I don't have a helper with me while I'm in the classroom. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I can't just go turn the projector on and off. Um, I can't just, you know, open the textbook and put it on the little... Um, dot cam or whatever that projects it onto the wall. Um, I I can move around the classroom, but not easily and not, um, not, you know, like I, I can't really, I can't really when students say, if I, you know, say, okay, like spend the next five minutes answering this question and then turn it turn it in um, on Blackboard, which is like the little mm, online like school online thing. portal thing, right? Yeah. So uh, I can't I can't walk around the classroom to make sure that all of the students are actually, you know, typing out their answer on their computer and not say browsing Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Like that's not. That's not something that I can do. Um, but I think I think that there is a silver lining in that because it, in some ways, you know, it forces me to build a certain level of trust with my students and for them then to build a certain level of trust with me. And so, I mean, my teaching persona is very much just like, hey, okay, like, let's have fun and let's, you know, like, get the shit done and, like, we're going to get this shit done while still having fun. And, like, you know, if you, you know, like, if you fuck up or don't turn something in, like, yeah, there'll be consequences. Um, but, like, I'm a pretty approachable person. So I think that that works when we're talking about that because, you know, I'm not, I don't really want to be the type of teacher that like walks around and checks on the students' screens and make sure that they're like doing what I'm asking them to do, you know? Yeah, totally. Does your, does the, does the school, is the school receptive if you're like, hey, I can't do this for the students, like, (laughs) I need help? I mean, yes, um... Yeah, so KU has an ADA office that's through HR, I believe. So it's for the employer side of things. 
So it's it's also interesting because as a student, I have to go to one office to get my accommodations. But then as an employer of the university, I have to go to another office to get my accommodations. Um, but the office that handles the employer accommodations, employee accommodations, is really great. The woman I work with is incredible. Um, so, yeah, they've been very receptive. Like, you know, they're, they've been working with me to try and find the best accommodations so that I am able to be as independent in the classroom as possible, right. which is really Great. That's, that is not what I was expecting you would say, so I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I was expecting you to be like, well, actually, it's crap, but they're the worst, and I can't believe it, so it's nice to hear <laughs> that they're trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want to move to sexuality, because yeah. you've done some really cool stuff with that. Before we get into what you've done with that, I want to ask you, how does having SMA and your disability make you feel about yourself, your body, and your disability and your and sexuality, all those things together. Sure. Well, so again, I was thinking about this question after you sent it to me. And um, this has definitely evolved and changed over time. Amazing. Let's break that down. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that, I mean, I don't think I would be wrong in saying that every teenager has like terrible self-esteem and terrible body image. Yep. Check. Got uh, it. it. was there. It was right there with you. Yep. Yeah. And so I used to be very self-conscious of how my body was different than my peers. Um, I definitely had terrible body image issues, which I think in part at least, you know, is due to when I was younger and even now, although I do think it's getting better, but disability was never represented in a positive light and also never included in discussions of body image and self-esteem, you know? Yeah. And so when I was in middle school, um, there would be, you know, conversations surrounding, you know, having positive body image and like, you know, we would watch those videos of like how photoshop works and how like you know the women or you know anybody the individuals that we see in advertising are never actually true individuals there are they they're all um photoshopped to look a certain way but those conversations were still very much geared towards people young young people with um a certain body type, you yeah. know, it wasn't, it wasn't ever really, um, discussed how disability could affect that or, um, yeah. And so I think that that was, that's, was definitely, um, a way that that was impacted. I also, I think used to believe that because my body was so different, than the quote-unquote norm um it was again quote-unquote undesirable and so I definitely used to believe that you know I would never be in a relationship I would never find romance um I would never you know 
define physical intimacy. And I think also an important thing with that is like, I don't want to undermine or undermine the importance of attraction beyond physicality, right? Like, I want my partner to be turned on by and attracted by like my personality and my mind, but I think it's important to make space for celebrating bodies. And I think that, um, I don't know, like disabled individuals and every, all individuals shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to, I guess, say, well, okay, like, yeah, my body isn't desirable but my personality is like no we should get to a place where we're like actually my body is desirable and my personality is desirable you know what yeah, i mean you shouldn't have to choose one or the other and i feel like i i feel you're right a lot of disabled people have said like oh, i'm not hot but i can make somebody laugh so that'll win them over right. yeah right and like why why do why do we have to accept that as um, you know, a definition of like what's desirable about us. Yeah, and I don't, like, I don't think that's fair. But I can say from like my own personal experience, I've done that many times. Like I'm, oh, for sure. like I'm not the most attractive guy, but I have a wit, so I'll crack a joke, and then maybe we'll get, maybe we'll make it after that because I'm funny. Like, but yeah, exactly. Like I mean, I think we've all done that. I've definitely done that, you know. But I think that. Um, over time, at least for me, I've been able to recognize, like, mm, I don't think that's where, I don't think that's the mindset I want to be existing in, I guess. Yeah, it's really hard to have to, like, it's really hard to have to choose. Do I want to be, a, like, the comedy guy, or do I want to be, like, the the smart one, but I can never be the smart and the attractive one? Like, you're not, like we put these boundaries on ourselves because society put it on us. And, and then okay. we just keep propagating that. And then that can be totally be a problem. Oh, for sure. Um, one of the things you said when you were talking that I was curious, how you mentioned a few times now, how your body is quote unquote different. How does, mm -hmm. how does SMA make your body quote unquote different? Well, okay, so, like, the most obvious thing is that I can't walk. Me too. Uh, hey, what up? <laughs> but beyond that, um, my back is curved. So I have um, a rod in my back that keeps my spine straight, but my back is curved, um, like, inward I guess and so I my back is like permanently arched essentially so you have uh, do you have like the S curve or like a s so I had the S curve which was corrected by the spot or by the spinal fusion surgery right that's such and a fun then, let's talk about that surgery for a minute that is not a fun surgery no no it's it's a terrible surgery it's like one of the most intensive surgeries out there um yeah I've been what there. else do you want to say about it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, anyone who is thinking about getting it done, obviously, if you need to, do it if you need to. But, like, don't go on YouTube and watch the videos of how they do it. Because I did, and it was, oh, no, don't. 
Yeah, I I can imagine that would be very very traumatizing. I had it done when I was sixteen, and it was like, I remember being, and you know, we were talking about body image and like and like self esteem and being younger. And when I was sixteen, like that was a surgery that I, oh, it was like, they were like, okay, well, if you don't have the surgery, your windpipe is your your spine is gonna crush your windpipe and you'll die. And I was like, okay, so there's no option. Cool, let's do it. And so I had to say yeah. yes. And then it got infected right after I, so I had Ugh. to like go out and get it cleaned and had it, have it like repaired. It was a whole months and months of like recovery. Yeah, it's, um, it's very intensive and it's, I don't know, that's something that I, which, you know, this could be an entire other podcast, but I'm very interested in just that idea of like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a surgery that we, you know, if, if you are above, um, a certain age, you have to consent to, and if you're not above a certain age, then, you know, your parents, your legal guardians have to consent to it. Yeah. Um, but, but we don't really have a choice. Yeah. Like, like there is no choice, right? Because well, it's I mean, that me, or death. Like, exactly, exactly. So that that's that is a whole interesting conundrum that I write about and have written about, and I'm constantly thinking of. I am like, let's go. I want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit because it's. <laughs> I'm into it now, and this is this is slowly becoming a sexuality and disability podcast. <laughs> Right, because consent, as you've talked about on your show. Yes, I have. Like, yes, like the difference between medical consent and sexual consent and how, like, I don't know, if you grow up as we have, right, having to, or perhaps not even consenting to medical things, I don't know, like, I feel like it really kind of interferes with our conception and perception of what consent is. Oh, yeah, it does, but... Because we've had able-bodied people of authority telling us since we were young, you need this to right. better yourself. So when it comes time mm-hmm. to, like, dig down with somebody, in my case, um, you know, like, yes. consent is the consent is muddy and weird because I'm like, you're able-bodied and you're, like, telling me that I'm going to do this and I want to please you because, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to please the doctor, too. Yep. So when the doctor told me, like, Andrew, do this thing, I would listen to him because he's the doctor. And the same right. the same is true of, like, my physios and my OTs. I would want to please mm-hmm. them. The same is true of, like, the dudes that I spend time with. So yeah. I, was, I wasn't even ready to make that connection, but here it is. <laughs> here it is. It's really fucking weird. I will say that. Um... Tell me though a little bit about your journey to like intimacy and and your and like with other people if you want to, if you can and feel comfy sharing that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that it is something, and I, I don't think I don't know I don't want to say that this is true for every disabled individual, um, but I think that it's common at least that we tend to follow a different timeline oh yeah our timeline is fucked right and it's almost like okay maybe just fuck timelines all together right like 
who cares when you're doing something? Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so, oh, where was I going with this? Timeline, fuckery, intimacy. Yeah, well, I think that, um, I think that, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to get super into detail. Um, uh, we can, like, we can, like, dance around the details, don't worry. <laughs> okay, so I think that, um, something that I have learned recently in regards to physical intimacy, and I think this can play into, um perhaps a conversation on like communication uh right, yep but i mean something that i am learning and have learned recently is that because i am disabled and because i don't have a lot of mobility um that translates into me needing to vocalize my desire to do something. Um, and so, you know, like I can't just reach out and like touch someone's face or lean in for a kiss. Yeah. So I have to actually be like, hey, let's make out. Or hey, do you want to make out? Which can be kind of awkward, but like also in a weird way, it like forces true consent i think oh yeah it totally does because I'm, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you i can't be like i, I can't be like hey can i hold, hey i can't just like lean in and like go to peck somebody <laughs> and you know if we do people are like what are you doing why are you doing that and so we have to be very clear about what we want to have happen next so totally totally it, it informs consent in a whole totally different way yeah and i think that you know visual or not visual sorry physical cues um, that I think able-bodied people are able to give to their partner, right? Like leaning in or like touching their face or whatever. Um, yeah, like we can't do that. Yeah. So it makes things, it can make things awkward. It can make things funny. But I think obviously it means that we have to communicate more, which is good. Um and also, too, like, the nonverbal cues that people use to understand, like, when someone's going in for a kiss. Some of us with different muscle stuff, I can't do a sexy eyebrow lean in to be like, what I'm trying to tell you is I want to, like, suck your dick right exactly. now. Like, I can't do that face. So I have to be very clear, like, I want to do this with you now. And that's awkward as fuck sometimes when you want to be, like, coy. How do you be a sexy, coy, disabled person? I mean that the thing like yeah I don't want to say that you can't be a sexy coy disabled person but I think that it takes a little bit more creativity yeah do you have any like tips on how to be a coy disabled person um oh god I feel like I'm thinking I don't think about this no, I don't. 
And I'm like, you're just like, nope. Like, there it is. No. What I, listen, what I have found and what <laughs> L- I have learned Listen, listen. Is that you just gotta come out and say it. It's true. You just gotta be like, hey, you wanna make out? Hey, can I kiss your neck? <laughs> hey, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Which then they have to, at least for me, they have to actually put my hand on their shoulder. <laughs> It's such a cool, weird, awkward, roundabout way of, like, consent in that whole interaction there. It's fucking weird. So they have to take your hand. So you, you'll you ask them, and they have to take your hand and put it on their shoulder. Yeah, right, right, right. Which, like, you know, um, <laughs> so with the person I'm, like, sort of dating right now, they... Yeah, so I'll be like, hey, can I put my hand on your back? Because, like, if we're laying in bed, which is a whole other thing that, like, is weird to navigate, right? Because, like, I, first, I'm also, like, a small person, generally small. See, I can't see, because what I can see of you is, like, you look very tall (laughs) here right now. I'm not. I'm, like, probably if I was fully stretched out. Which, that's the other thing, like, with the SMA and with sitting in a wheelchair all day, you know? Oh, yeah, like, I'm contractured up to the, up the wazoo. It's never happening. Precisely. So, a generally small person, okay? And thankfully, I mean, I don't know if thankfully, luckily, this person is also petite, I would say. So, it works semi-well. But I'm like, you know what? If this person, like, if I was dating someone that was large... And not, like, large, just, like, I don't know, larger. Bigger, like, taller than you, or... Yes. I don't know how to say it without sounding like I'm being an asshole. We just just mean not your size. Yes, not my size. I, laying in bed with them would be very tricky because I, I, first of all, I will preface this by saying I am a huge fan of spooning. Right? Yeah. Hell it's yep. the greatest thing. And I spoon and cuddle my friends platonically so all do the time. I. It is amazing. And but what I have learned from that, from all the vast number of people, friends that I have spooned, is that if my friend is, you know, taller slash bigger than me which it's not hard to be taller or bigger than me then the weight distribution of the mattress is off and i kind of like roll into them (laughs) so that's like a whole other thing that we gotta navigate you know all right so then a follow-up question to that is do you have any tips on how to spoon as it's like okay when you're setting up for that with Mm -hmm. Because CP contractors are probably very different than SMA contractors. Mm-hmm. CP contractors are like, correct me if I'm wrong. So, so CP contractors are like 90 degrees all the time. Are you? Is that kind of how your body sits? Yes, I would say that's pretty similar. Okay, so when maybe you're li- a less than or yeah, I had to think about angles and math. I haven't like been in a math class since high school so 
less than no greater than nine i have some like my legs can stretch out greater than 90 degrees my, i mean my legs can too if i'm having a spastic day but that's about it like my knees are like i when i sleep at night i have a pillow between my between my legs like underneath yeah. because the contractors are real so like cuddling is a whole not even just sex, but cuddling is a whole right. its own like okay, you want to cuddle, great, we have to set you up for that. So like that does that is that a routine thing for you too? Like, okay, I wanna cuddle, so I gotta get this pillow here and we gotta do this and like it takes away some of the like It takes away spontaneity. Yeah. Cuddling spontaneity. I cuddled with a friend of mine a few weeks ago and like he he's a strong guy, so he just threw me in bed and lifted me and we figured it out and it was like nice. Oh. And I was all there for that. P.S. Man, throw me around. I'm so into it. Um, but, like, it took him a minute to, to figure out how to do it. And I remember we had to spend, like, five minutes being like, okay, hey, where, where does your leg go? Where does the pillow go? How do I, like... But at the same time, that creates a weird sort of intimacy that I really enjoy. It does, yeah. Setting up... I, yeah, so I think... Um, okay, so that was, like... There's a couple things that I want to respond to. Okay, so first you asked, do I have to set up and like prepare for it? Yes. Um, I think that, I mean, it doesn't really work for me to be a big spoon ever. Like I just roll into the person's back. It's just, it's not, it's not logistical, okay? Got it, got it. Um, so little spoon, I think works better with the contractures um, because then the person can just meld yourself or meld themselves to your body right. and your body's curves, which works. Um, I have found though, like even if you're laying in bed facing each other, that can be tricky also though because, like, I can't lift up my head, you know? And so if you're trying to, like, make out in bed facing each other, the the smush, the bed smush can get in the way of the face. So you know what I mean? Yeah, so what you're saying is, what you're saying is, making out can also be hazardous to your health, because... <laughs> You could try to do that, but you can't lift your head, so you might suffocate. I mean, okay, I don't know. I no, I wouldn't go so far as to say you might suffocate. Although I suppose anything's possible. I I just think it's tricky, and it takes creativity, and it takes communication. So do you, um, but back to what you were saying, how that sort of is a different sort of intimacy. I definitely think it is, and I think that it. Um, <clears throat> It sort of brings to the surface your desires and your partner's desires, right? Yeah. Because it's not just like, oh, they're following along or like you're following along, which, you know, isn't like the greatest for consent, one. But two, it, you know, it, it creates this like, oh, this person actually wants to do this with me. And like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And like... That can be tricky too, though, because I always do that ableist thing in my head where I'm like, "Are you doing it because you want to, or are you doing it because you yeah. feel like I've somehow obligated you to put me in the cuddle position, so now you are?" But inside, you're like, "Oh no!" And like, I did it with that friend a few weeks ago, and he, 
I remember he like lifted me out of my chair and put me in the bed and like was figuring out how to how to get in a position where we could cuddle each other and there was no there was no like sexiness there. I mean there was because he's hot. Mm-hmm. So there was like visual sexiness. Hi Jace. Well, yeah. So so so, hi, Jace. I know you're listening. So. Shout out to Andrew's hey. friend. Um, so, so we were doing that, and I just remember, like, the the comedy of errors of him trying to get the pillows in the right spot was it made it so much more fun to do it with him because it took him 10 minutes to figure it out. And I was like, this is great. Yes. Because it's really. And then you're, like, both laughing, and it's just funny. It's just, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. And, like, now every time you say. Like bed smush, I'm picturing Hannah's bed, bo- body like falling over into the bed. <laughs> the real problem, okay? It's a real thing, real thing. Um, I don't know how to segue out of bed smush into my next question, which Just... is, um, which is, which is, uh, well, you kind of answered that one already. I'm gonna go move into the next one. Tell me, so I love this thing you've done so much so because I bought a shirt. Yes! I bought a shirt that says, this body is worthy, which I fucking love. And I got it in my favorite color, teal. Yes. It's, wow. I mean, it cost me a million dollars because the conversion (laughs) rates to Canada were a ton. But I don't (laughs) care because I love supporting disability stuff. So So this this project, tell me about it. Sure. Okay. So it's called This Body is Worthy. Um, and basically, it came about in 2017, I believe, the summer of 2017. So, like two summers ago, um, I don't know. I just had this idea that I wanted to take portraits of myself with the words this body is worthy written across various parts of my body that I was self-conscious of. Right. Um, So I had a photographer friend at that time and I proposed the idea to her and she was super on board. So, um, yeah, she just came over to my apartment and we took a bunch of photos. So the original photos, I have the words this body is worthy written across my chest which um, is sort of like barrel shaped, I would say, which seems to be an SMA thing. Yeah, it's like concavey sort of a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, across my back, which, like I said, is curved in a funky way and has like the long scar down the back of it. And then across my feet, which the, my toes like curl under. Me too. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Hey. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those were the original photos. And then what I wanted to do and what I did do is hold a community art workshop. And this was in Iowa City. So, um, which so the I cool part of Iowa. The cool part of Iowa. Yeah. I mean, all of Iowa is cool. I have to say that because I'm from Iowa. Okay. But... There, I mean, you know, there are, Iowa has issues, okay, but I still love it. Cornfields, so, churches, and football fields. That's all I remember. Sure. Cornfields, churches, and football fields. Very accurate. So, um, we held this community, we held two community art workshops, actually, while I was living in Iowa City. And basically, 
I um, invited people to come and to basically do the same thing that I had done. So, you know, they could choose where on their body they wanted a phrase to be written and they could come up with a phrase that they wanted to have written on their body and then they would have their photos taken um and then they would write a little statement going alongside the photo explaining sort of like what the phrase meant um what the statement yeah what the phrase meant to them sort of um their own take on body image, I guess. So I did, I did those two community art workshops. Um, and then I moved to Kansas and I figured out, I I mean, this, this happened this summer. So it would have been a couple, a month or so ago. I, decided that I needed a way to expand the project even further. And, um, oh no, this wasn't this summer. This was, this was for the South by Southwest panel that I was on. Um, so excited for that part of this conversation. Get wait. So, yeah, so I was on the South by Southwest panel with Emily Ledow, Amani Barberin, and Mary Angel Garcia Ramos. And we were talking about the disability story and disability narratives and how we need diversity in within disability stories and um, how we need to be sort of, you know, allowing and giving a space to disabled storytellers to tell their own stories instead of having able-bodied people telling the stories for, the, for them. Right. Um, so I knew that I wanted to have my This Body is Worthy project sort of expand into into having shirts that said This Body is Worthy that people could buy. And I knew that I wanted wanted the profits from the t-shirts to be given to different organizations that were, um, you know, at least in part run by disabled individuals for disabled individuals. So I have an idea that I'll propose yeah. to you after we're done the interview. Well, I have an idea. Yes, I'm very excited. So, um, yeah, so I made this body is worthy shirts. I had them printed here where I live and I gave one each to the women who I was on the panel with and we um you know did this whole photo shoot that was sort of like my way of launching it and then i had um i you know have a threadless shop now where people can purchase the shirts and the place the organizations where the money goes um changes every like three ish weeks so that I can support and that this project can support a variety of organizations. That's, that is like, I am not worthy. That's amazing. That is no, so you amazing. are worthy. Oh my gosh. That is the whole point. I just think, I just think, I just love hearing disabled people do cool things. And I remember seeing the shirts being like, I 
want one. These look amazing. Like, yes, yeah. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited about that for you. I also want to ask you a question about on this panel with all these heavyweights you were on. <laughs> one of the things I think we should talk about when it comes to different disability narratives and the need for diversity is we need to talk about how the congenitally disabled narrative, people, as in people who were born disabled, and oh, the for sure. becoming disabled narrative are completely both valid in terms of disability, but also completely different narratives, and that's okay. And we need to see, for I, sure. in my view, and I may be a little bit biased, we need to see a little, we need to see more congenitally disabled stories being told to show mm-hmm. that to show that being born disabled is not necessarily a tragedy it's there are hardships but it doesn't mean your life is going to end and showing that disability is born within you is a way maybe to do that i agree yeah and i think that um i it makes me think of the book and movie the in my opinion, terrible book and terrible movie, Me Before You. Um, And when that came out um, and there was all this, you know, discussion about how if someone becomes disabled at some point in their life, um, you know, like obviously it is, obviously they are going to be they're going to feel that it is a tragedy and um, which, you know, it is like, I think it's as important to acknowledge, right. What you said, there are hardships. Yeah. Um, it isn't all I, roses and happy wheelchairs and smiling kids, like getting a walker exactly. from home Depot. And then like, it's not always that it is through tough no, moments. Absolutely. Um, but I do wonder if we were living in a society and a culture that, value disability and celebrated disability i wonder how that would then impact individuals that become disabled right that aren't born with a condition um because i i feel like you know if someone obviously yes you would be losing certain um functions that you were not able or that you were able to do at one point and obviously that would be I imagine there would be some um, grief involved in that. But it wouldn't be like, oh, this is such a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. Because it would have this idea and narrative of disability that was, you know, um, supported by popular narratives and by popular media. Um, and you wouldn't see it as a death sentence. Everybody who's listening can't see how much I was nodding with what you just said like yep got it yep i had to remember that i was like this is an audio medium say yes so they know you're agreeing yes good good good. but no i I think i think you're right and i I think also when you are congenitally disabled there are moments of loss and grief that we still go through absolutely you having sma and i know friends who have sma who one day they'll lose a function just like that and it's like oh i can't do that anymore like and that's that's it that sucks there are moments with my CP body where I lost the ability to pee a few years ago. That's yep. that, like that was rough. So like there are moments of loss, but I think to see a different narrative on screen of like 
this person has CP or something and they're not trying to overcome. They just are. Or they're a wheelchair user with SMA and they just are. Like, mm-hmm. those are the stories that I want to see more of. And I want to see, I want to see those hardships talked about realistically. Yep. I agree. Realistically and, like, nuanced, you know? I think that um, every story, I mean, life is nuanced, you know? And I think that too often stories that are told and consumed by popular media are lacking that nuance, especially regarding disability. And so I think that um, at least acknowledging that these sorts of things are complex and never just one-sided and never just black and white, I think that's super important. Oh, totally. Disability is a whole gray area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, let's break down Me Before Ew again, which is what I call the movie, it's Me Before Ew. Uh, But, you know, like, first of all, let's break down the fact that, like, the hot, attractive caregiver is not usually going to walk into your life. Unfortunately, that is usually... Not always, because sometimes I'm sure it happens, but usually that doesn't occur, everyone. <laughs> like, that's not, like, no, the mother of dragons, Khaleesi, is not knocking down my door to be like, I'm going to take care of you today. Exactly. And, like, this idea, and I, I reviewed, <laughs> excuse me, I reviewed the movie for the pod, like, a year and a bit ago, and I remember watching it being like, what is this bullshit? What like why what is this bullshit? I don't get like yeah no um so I just and I just think you being on a panel like I remember you crowdfunded for that too and mm-hmm. I'm a, I remember seeing it being like yes yes all the yes like this is so it's so important especially in a place like South by Southwest where there was not a lot of disability representation there like save yeah. for for you and a few other people for your mm-hmm. panel and a few of the people that I that I heard of were, that were there. So I think what you're doing, also somebody so young to be 24 and doing like creating these movements, I'm just proud of that. I'm proud to, to have you in my like circle of disabled people that I consider a powerhouse. I'm just proud of that oh, for you. Gosh. Making you tear up, I know. Oh, gosh. It's, I'm, I know. Um, so I wanna ask you about what is one thing that you absolutely adore about being disabled? You know, again, I was thinking about this when I saw your that question. Um, I really love the perspective that it has given me on life and on society um, and culture. And I also love how it has made me value interdependence yeah um because i think that especially in america where you know we're very well you're not in america but um i mean sadly in ontario toronto right now we're pretty close to america our leader is basically we call him trump north our our like provincial guy doug ford is his name and he's a fucking asshat so i mean we're, we're, I mean, we're coming closer there than we, yeah. want, than we want to, so. Yeah, well, um, yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah, so I think that America, at least, there's this idea, and, you know, Western culture in general, this idea of individualism and, like, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and, like, 
going out there and being successful and right like you just gotta persevere through the struggle and like you're gonna be okay um and that to me really devalues the importance of interdependence yeah and really think that people like we need other people like i think that's just the basis of it and i think that um I mean, I, I, I literally need other people, right, to, like, yeah. get out of the bed and help me use the bathroom and help me eat. And so I think that not only does that mean that I have fostered and cultivated some, not even some, many incredible relationships and friendships in my life, um, but it also means that I see and understand how important that is and how important it is to be able to like acknowledge that we need other people um i tweeted about it yesterday i said you know in i said asking for help is a form of independence it is exactly yeah i mean hello exactly um and like i i think that's so true and i also think like i love being disabled for these i think i love the perspective i love that without this disability, I wouldn't know half of the amazing people that I do. Yep. And this show that we're on right now wouldn't be out there in the world, like, doing what it does, which is great. Exactly. Um, shifting gears to the other side of that coin, what is one thing about disability you hate? Well, <clears throat> I think that... Again, like that's such an interesting question because I think, um, and I've talked with various people about like the difference between disability and health, you know? And so like how, for me at least, like my lungs are compromised because they're weaker. Um, and to me, that is more of a health issue. So I think that that's, you know, something, um, <clears throat> something that, I would I would change about myself, I think, would be to have stronger lungs. Um, but I guess on a broader issue of, like, what do I hate about disability, I think it's more, um, I don't know, I really hate ableism, which isn't really, I mean, it's not disability, but it, like, you know, comes hand in hand with disability. Yeah. And I think that is by far the hardest thing about being disabled is coming face to face with ableism constantly oh yeah it, it, it takes a toll on your mental health for sure it totally does totally does um a, a question that i had when you were talking i was thinking about this question if you could shine and i'm gonna start asking this to all my guests because i'm trying to branch shit out so i'm sorry I'm, yes. so you're the first one that i'm doing it with um if you could shine a bright light on something about disability that no one ever talks about, because that's kind of what disability after dark is becoming now, talking about the shit we don't talk about. So if you could shine a bright light on something we don't talk about around disability, what would it be? Hmm. That's a loaded question, my friend. Um, I would say... I would say 
probably <clears throat> the supports that are needed in order for disabled individuals to live independently. Um, so. So you mean like talking about getting the support, the money, the people, like how we don't talk about, how it's just assumed that, oh, you have care, that's figured out for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because I think that, um, I think that's one of the more tangible barriers and a huge barrier if you are disabled. Um, and I think that there's so much confusion even just around that subject. Oh, yeah. Um, and confusion and misinformation. Um, there's, a, there's a thought, of, and I'm going to do a whole episode on this, like so many ways this could go because care is something we know very integrally. We know very intimately <laughs> how that works and we're, put into systems that teach us that from a very young age how the, that works or doesn't work but the rest of society has no clue how you go about getting a care worker how much that costs how much they're paid yeah. like or not paid whether they're a good fit yeah. like the training that goes into that there's so such a limited scope that it needs to be talked about more so don't worry I'm working on an episode about it because I want to talk yes. about it um, yeah I think that that's, that's, that's um, a huge one, and it affects so many things, you know? It affects, it affects everything. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't have care, like, there was a, a story of a university in yep. Michigan? Was it Michigan? Um, I don't remember the state, but the, the, the college that closed down yeah and they lost they lost their attendant care so they had to transfer and i was like that's really yep. shitty yeah it's just not fair um we could talk about this for a whole five more hours but um i'm gonna say hannah sawyer this was the most awesome interview and i'm so glad we finally did it i totally agree it was truly 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 an honor to be on here. Um, oh, I love heart. this podcast. My heart. my heart is like swelling. It's amazing. Ah! Um, but how do all my Twitter followers, all my people that listen to this and follow this, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Sawyer, not Sawyer. So at S-O-Y-E-R-N-O-T-S-A-W-Y-E-R. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, and and they can and should check out the website thisbodyisworthy.com. Um, it was recently revamped by this incredible disabled designer, Jessica Audi. Oh, um, I love Jessica Audi. Hi, Jessica Audi. Yeah, the website has turned out really cool um, from now until the end of July, although I guess I don't know when this is going to air. So past um, this, but yeah. Okay, well, anyway, also, yeah, if you want to buy a shirt, you can find that under my website, under the This Body is Worthy website. All the profits from those shirts are always going to different organizations that are supporting disabled people. That's That makes my heart so happy. Um, and this will all be in the show notes. So I'm going to make sure it's written down so that those who maybe didn't catch it here can see it on when the show gets released. But. Um. Hannah, uh, there's so much more we're going to talk about once I hit off, but this was great. I love this. Yes, um, thank you 
so much for having me on. I'm going to have you back at some point. And I already, I'm already thinking about ways we can do that because I love this conversation. Um, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at TheAndrewGerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that, and I, I will give you a shout-out on the air, and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019